Welcome back to a new season of Fisher Link, a podcast presented by Fisher Inc. Magazine for the Fisher College business to highlight stories in and around Ohio State they may not have heard about. My name is Grant Powelson, and I'm the Vice President of Podcasts for Fisher Inc. This episode, we have with us Adam Morris, social entrepreneur, host of the People Helping People podcast, and co-founder of Wild Tiger Tees, a screen printing and t-shirt design shop employing youth experiencing homelessness, partnered with Starhouse, a 24-7 drop-in center for local youth ages 14 to 24 that are experiencing homelessness right here in Columbus. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So do you mind starting us off with a bit about your background, where you went to college, what your major was, and maybe some work experience? Yeah, sure. I mean, I started off, I went to the Johns Hopkins University and graduated in 2001 the degree in medical robotics. <laughs> so computer science yeah. and mechanical engineering. Um, oh, okay. And after a short stint uh, programming medical robots, I went off and did an MBA <laughs> in, in London. Um, and oh, wow. That was kind of where I found myself working in finance IT and hating my life and <laughs> what I was doing. And I wanted to find a career that was making more of an impact. Um, and it took me quite some time to get here. So I, I started working for my dad's company, building a technology uh, product. Um, I still work for ASG. Um, there are a company here in Columbus, Ohio, that is kind of retail real estate services. So we help companies like Express or DSW or Eddie Bauer with planning where to put their stores, managing their leases, doing store design and construction. Um, and it's a great company. I love the people. Um, about five years in, I realized I, I still really wanted to do something that was making a social impact. And I had made no progress over 10 years. <laughs> had you always felt that way? Or did you realize that you weren't really making a difference after you worked for, for so long? You know, I uh, when I was in London, I volunteered for um, the Samaritans, which is a suicide crisis line. Okay. Um, and it was tough work, but... I really loved it. Like it filled me up and made me just feel better. Um, and so I think there was always this question in my mind of like, I want to feel this way about my day job. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm sure lots of people would agree with you too. Uh, where are you from originally? I grew up all over. So Minnesota, Michigan, Connecticut, um, worked out in California for a bit. So I've moved around a bit in my life. Um, I did not grow up in Ohio. So um, it was a little awkward coming to Columbus and not knowing anything. Um, you know, if, I think if people live where they go to college, then you kind of know a town in a different way and you have friends. Um, and so finding a social circle here was really tough. Um, and it didn't really happen until I started the podcast and I started getting to know people. Um, I think digging into the social impact community here one thing I discovered very quickly is that people are just so supportive. Um, Emily Savers over at the Columbus Foundation sat down with me and was like, hey, Adam, you're starting this podcast on social entrepreneurship. Here's who you need to talk to. And before I knew it, I was talking to Kenny over at the Roosevelt, John Rush over at Clean Turn, and, and they were making time to sit down and talk to me, which was really nice. Um, and that led to a lot of things. So. That's so great. Yeah, we have an awesome community here, it seems like, with social entrepreneurship. I was curious how that impacted you, like if they helped you out or if it was more competitive, but that's great. They talk about the the Columbus way so much, and it's it's really true. Um, you know, just people kind of showing up and plugging in. Uh, everyone here in the 
especially in the social impact community, is just very supportive of helping each other get off the ground. And I've seen that time and time again. That's awesome. Well, then I guess that kind of transitions into my next point about uh, what inspired you to start Wild Tiger Tees and how were you able to get the business model off the ground? Yeah. You know, I, I knew nothing about launching a business. I knew nothing about homelessness. Well, a little bit about homelessness, not much about youth homelessness. Um, nothing about work programs, but I had uh, Ann Bishop, who's the CEO of the Star House. So the Star House is a drop-in center for youth experiencing homelessness. Um, and I had her as a guest on my podcast and I went into the star house and I was just really moved by, you know, what I saw there, you know, the, the people just kind of trying to figure out their lives and dealing with some really, you know, they, they, these kids typically come from really tough backgrounds. Like they have trauma that they're dealing with sometimes abuse, sometimes, you know, they've been kicked out of their family or something else has happened. Um, and I wanted to do something. I think that was the spark of like I want to do something, but I don't know what. And from there, uh, Give Back Hack was coming up the following year. And Give Back Hack is a hackathon for uh, launching social enterprises. Um, yeah, which is currently happening right now. Quick plug. Started yeah. on Friday. <laughs> Started on, Sunday. on Friday. Um, and it's just an exciting place for people to come together and pitch ideas of how to make a social impact. Um, and then really do a lot of validation to get an idea together that they can launch. Um, and so I came away from Get Back Hack with a, a team of five co-founders um, and we jumped straight into Sea uh, Change, which is, uh, it's kind of like Get Back Hack on a bigger scale. It's a 12 week accelerator um, or 14 weeks. Um, and you really dive into um, how do you actually develop your your business idea? Looking at your business plan, your financial model, your social impact, um, with a huge focus on validating your idea. So really getting out and talking to people, um, and a big push to launch an MVP or a minimally viable product. Right. So really, this idea that you see in a lot of uh, entrepreneurship circles of how do you quickly test an idea and get feedback. Um, and so after Sea Change, we had gone into the Star House and had our first session, and that kind of got the balls rolling for Wild Tiger Tees. And you've, you've come up with the idea like through Sea Change or through Give Back Hack? It came a little bit. So after talking to Anne at Star House, um, I think it was in the back of my head. Um, and I was actually listening to a podcast on the, it was the Joy Venture podcast. Um, and they had, uh, done an episode with a, a guy who had started a button club and grown this button club. And, you know, I, some, something about that stuck in my head and I was like, well, how could I do this at the star house? And somehow it, it got onto t-shirts and, uh, I think I had pitched an I idea. See, a clear path <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, how ideas kind of weave in and, and flow together. But the idea I pitched at yep. get back hack was a t-shirt subscription, um, where we would, you know, take these orders and fulfill them. Uh, we pivoted very quickly to to doing kind of bulk orders in the community um, because that would make it very easy for us to schedule uh, work sessions with the youth um, and, and teach them how to screen print t-shirts and, and kind of do bulk orders, pay them for that, and then move on to the next one. Okay, and uh, that brings me to my next question. Do you operate like inside of Star House or do they come to your guys's your place i don't really understand the relationship with uh yeah no uh so starhouse has been just an excellent partner 
Um, and we we work inside of Starhouse, so they have a, a space where we go in. Um, we set up our our shop uh, in their art room, and we work with three youth at a time. Um, and with those three youth, what we do is we one we teach them the screen printing process for for doing t- making T-shirts. Um, but there's a huge focus on the. Um, you know, on teamwork, on how they're showing up to that work, on communication. Um, so some of the really core skills that they struggle with um, in their 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 jobs. But the process, kind of once it gets going, we really gear a conversation around jobs um, and what people are facing. Because we find that if they can share what they're facing and talk about it, um, quite often that will give them a little bit of a, a nudge of like, hey, here's what I can do to improve or here's where I can go. Um, and we're very much like we started in 2018. We're still figuring out like what's the best way to help these youth. Like this, it's what I <laughs> what I found when I started this was it's not a simple problem. It's not a like, hey, you need a job and then everything in your life is golden and end of story. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you know like it, I don't know. You have a great part yeah. though, I would say. Yeah, giving them experience, something to put in the resume, which they may not even have anything. And just getting them out there, being active is the great start, I would say. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's there's a few pillars that they really need. So one thing about homelessness is um, if you don't have uh, if you don't have a job, then you don't have money to pay for things like housing or transportation. Um, if you don't have transportation, then you can't get to your job. If you don't have housing, then it's very difficult to have reliable transportation to get to a job. So it's like you need all these kind of pillars together. Um, they also really need a support system. And so the, the star house really helps with that support system and kind of setting up these different pieces. What we've discovered through our work program is that we are just one piece of the puzzle. So how can we interact with other agencies that can really help complete this entire journey? So we're working with a group called Columbus works, which has a very structured program, uh, as well as connections with the appropriate jobs. Um, but what we found is that the youth need a little bit of preparation before they're ready for this work program that will get them placed onto good jobs. Just to kind of put this in perspective, like, you know, most of these people are about 20, right? They're able to find jobs, but the jobs that they get are like fast food or in warehouses um, where mm-hmm. they have no support, right? So imagine something in their life is unstable to begin with. They can't make it to work on time or they have past trauma that they're dealing with. Um, You know, they don't show up to work and the boss says, hey, you showed up late, you're fired. Uh, You know, and there's low opportunity for advancement as well. Exactly. But when they when they find jobs where, you know, their managers understand their situation and can give them a little bit of leeway, but also a structured way for them to actually get that stability. Then you see that they actually have a chance to um, to grow into that. Um, and if they have a, a good environment like that, they tend to be really good employees, right? Because if you have somebody looking out for you, like they haven't experienced that growing up. So having that makes them just that much more dedicated to what they do. Um, yeah, and I bet they're excellent workers as well because they're working to survive and that's what they need. If they just have stability, they can keep going and they don't have to worry about their next meal. Exactly. You know, <laughs> that, that is something <laughs> I would find really remarkable. Like there is, 
there there is uh something very entrepreneurial about you know the youth that we work with you see this kind of spirit which is like hey i might be looking for a job and and for an income like they are fighting to survive and that kind of fighting to survive is i think something that shows up in an entrepreneurial spirit um and a little bit of support really goes a long way uh, but again everyone is really different like what they're facing is different what their background is um and so so there's no one solution like you said there's no one solution yeah. you kind of have to show up and meet people where they're at um and, and help them find their way so what do the day-to-day operations of wild tiger tees look like yeah i mean we're still kind of a, i call us a side hustle business um in yeah. <laughs> 2019 we were kind of growing from one shift a week to two shifts a week um we were starting to grow this year until COVID hit um and so we would go in one day a week to the star house to to work with the youth um and then the rest of our time would be finding orders um working with a lot of events in town or um you know businesses or schools or churches that were ordering uh t-shirts um this year it's been a big change so when COVID hit Basically, the the Star House uh, took a, a step back, and they were like, "Okay, we need to provide emergency services to the youth." Um, they've shortened their hours for the the time period so that they can keep the Star House um, clean and get the essential items to the youth that they they serve. Um, they change their hours. Are yeah. they doing anything else differently? So they they cut back their partner services. So unfortunately, we have not been able to go back into the Star House. Um, so. We've been continuing to print orders and putting money towards kind of future training sessions. Um, but the other thing that we've been doing in this weird period is uh, providing incentives. So um, giving out gift cards to help the youth get through the Columbus Works program. So if they show up for an information session, they get a gift card. And if they complete stages of the training, then they get more gift cards. And we find this is a great incentive for them. Like they need something to kind of give them that push and that nudge to show up. Um, and this this helps with that. Um, we are looking to to get in and start doing some work at the Carol Stewart Village, um, which is part of the Star House. They, they opened up this year, this transitional housing area, which is really, this is very exciting stuff. They've been working on this for a while. They bought an old Motel 6 over on... Uh, it's kind of where Broad hits like 270 on the the west side of town um, and built it into some transitional housing so that they can get a stable place to live um, while they're finding work that has access to um, medical care, to grocery stores, to, to banks, to transportation. So it's like on a bus line. It opens up a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, transportation is a huge issue in the city. Um, that we see drive a lot of the social issues. Um, you know, it's very uh, quite a common analogy that people make is like, well, hey, you know, there's all these great businesses that are outside of the Beltway. Um, but if you have people who are in Franklinton or Linden or Hilltop who don't have access to a car, it's really near impossible for them to get to these jobs that exist. Uh, further out right there's no bus that goes out if there are quite often it's a three-hour journey to get to work and a three-hour journey to get home 
Um, so something that and that's just not realistic. No, it's it's not. And so being able to create affordable jobs for people on transportation lines. So one thing about this um, transitional housing project is to provide that kind of stability of like here's a place where you can live. Um, here's you know a bus line that you have access to to get to, you know, so you can access jobs. Um, and there are jobs out there. Like so things have changed a lot this year and shifted um but there's still a lot of jobs which surprised me um they've you know it's just it's not in hospitality which used to be a big employer <laughs> this year it's yeah. no but there's a lot being done in distribution um where uh, you know a lot of people have moved to online sales and things like that and there's just a ton of demand so and jobs that have some and delivery services and such yeah, yeah. so yeah <laughs> um but columbus is is an interesting city so it is the second highest income separated city in the u.s uh, behind austin um which means you know the separation between the people who have money and the people who don't um is just very high um, and it's something you don't really see unless you go digging for it yeah the second most i did not no, know that. it's <laughs> Um, yeah, when I came to Columbus, I had no idea. I thought Columbus was a great thriving city and everything was, you know, roses all around. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like hidden, I feel like. But, you know, there's just the disparity. Yeah, that disparity is there. Um, it has, you know, there's areas in Columbus that have a really high infant mortality rate, um, which often is indicative of, uh, you know, poverty and lack of access to food and hospital care and, and other resources. So there are a lot of groups that are, are working to solve these problems, um, but there's always opportunity for people to jump in, um, which is why I love to talk about this stuff because like, I, you know, I was somebody who I didn't know what I could do. Um, I ended up going to get back hack and still not knowing what I was going to do, but um, was able to come together with a group of people and together we were able to figure it out and actually launch something. One of our co-founders was telling me after the fact that, you know, she's uh, an art teacher and had never crossed her mind that she could actually start a business, let alone a social enterprise. Um, but being there with a group of people, all of a sudden she was doing that and she could do these things. Uh, and I kind of feel that same way. I never had screen <laughs> print a t-shirt in my life before we started wild tiger tees and uh it's amazing when you get together with a group of people what kind of impact you can make columbus foundation has been a huge driver for social um entrepreneurship as is the tony wells foundation um they they found back in 2008 when you know we had a financial crisis and and kind of grant money was really tight that businesses needed a different way to operate so nonprofits did um, and they really, you know, helped push a lot of social enterprises to adopt business models that could fund them, right? So they would be less reliant on grant money. And then that support kind of bubbled over. Um, social ventures came in as kind of a community organization to help connect social enterprises. And they have a great marketplace for the hundred different social enterprises here in central Ohio. But really just to promote that and get the word out so people know that they can use their own, you know, purchasing decisions to help create an impact, right? So even as a consumer, like you can actually be 
looking for local companies to support that are happy, helping to tackle it, yeah, helping to tackle issues around, you know, poverty or or human trafficking or incarceration or you know mental health issues. And it's like it's really. It almost means that you can become very active in your community just by shifting your own personal uh, purchasing habits. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Consumption is everything. <laughs> you know, where you put your money. Yeah. It changes a lot. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about your podcast a little bit more. Um, how has that influenced your life and what gave you the idea to start that? You talked a bit about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, some of it was just this deep frustration that I, uh, had wanted to find an impact related career for a long time. But part of it was due to frustration that I missed Give Back Hack for two years in a row. And I was like, darn it, I'm not going to wait for another year <laughs> for Give Back Hack. <laughs> so I, I give some credit to Susie for like me not being able to make it to Give Back Hack to actually dive in and start doing something. And quite honestly, what the podcast has, has given me is, um, you know what when you're when i was studying it's like there's a great it's being able to learn and develop yourself is very easy um i found out when i was out and working that i had to put a lot of intention and effort into continuing to develop myself and what i found is with the podcast i can go and talk to people who are are making a social impact share their story but in the process it's like private class i get to ask <laughs> really cool people you know, what's, you know, how they've been successful and what's making them tick. And uh, I, I'm just so thankful for their people giving me that time because I've learned so much from that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're thankful too. You get to spread their message and you get to have a cool conversation with them. Yeah. So, that's right. <laughs> so it works all around. But, you know, that um, I put the podcast on hold while we got Wild Tiger Tees up and running. Um, and I found I was just really missing those conversations because there is a, so much cool stuff going on. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I just want to know about it and help share that word. Yeah, and I checked out your most recent episode with uh, Aspire. That's a really cool competition, too. If you wanted to talk about that maybe for a second. Yeah, Aspire is uh, these social entrepreneurship awards that started here in Central Ohio, I think, uh, five years ago. Um really just to help share the word of like successful social entrepreneurs uh, in our community. Um, it's put on by the Metropreneur and Columbus Underground um, in partnership with Social Ventures. And uh, one thing, um, Susan Post is is a writer over at the Metropreneur and Columbus Underground. And she is just a fantastic person. She goes around and writes a lot of stories about uh, social enterprises here. Um, and so they they go out and they found some really kind of top-notch social enterprises this year that had survived the COVID year. I mean, it's been a very complicated year. Um, I've known a lot of people in this space who've had to close up their shop because, you know, especially if you're event-based or, um, you know, you you rely on community services functioning as they're supposed to. Um, it, it's been a very hard year. Yeah, you know, nonprofits. <clears throat> they, there's this huge funding issue right now, where basically, you know, if you look at money, 
you know, grant money that's going out, a lot of it is just being diverted directly towards uh, emergency services for COVID, right? So things that are related to food, things that are related to housing or, or health and kind of other emergency services. So that means a lot of nonprofits that rely on steady grants are really suffering this year. Um, and so that makes, you know, having a, a business model that works even more important. Um, I recently spoke with Steve Ota from um, the Furniture Bank of Central Ohio. And uh, the Furniture Bank used to be a nonprofit that um, they had a, a single donor that gave them a million dollars every year to operate. And the the donor decided that he was going to back out. <laughs> and so they had to very quickly shift their model. Oh, um, wow. And they, they were able to successfully get their thrift store up and running. Um, and that thrift store has a feeds the rest of their nonprofit business. So this year during COVID, they were able to open up their second thrift shop down in Lancaster, and uh, they are going to actually break even this year um, with some good projections for the future to help uh, feed that. And they give away like ten thousand pieces of furniture um, right. every year. So they they consider themselves, you know, like if you're dealing with families that are experiencing you know, at the poverty level, right? If they can get housing, like, and their basic food covered, the next thing on their list is to actually be able to make a home. Um, and so they do a lot of work with that with families here in, in Columbus. That's awesome. That's some really inspiring news for once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how has your experience with Starhouse changed your outlook on youth homelessness and homelessness in general? a lot i you know what the starhouse does is really phenomenal there's um they see over a thousand youth come through the doors every year you know and there's just a i didn't realize how big the problem was um i also didn't realize how different it is for youth who are experiencing homelessness from an adult population um i had worked with kind of adult homeless populations before in my life. Um, and as I was familiar with the kind of people that I worked with. Um, but for somebody who's, you know, kind of 18 to 24, you know, they're in that period of a life where they're figuring things out. Um, and they still have this kind of passion and drive. Like, you know, they... It, you know, it's like sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And it's like they've had this traumatic past, but they're still like, hey, what do I want to be when I grow up? And they have this kind of energy there, um, which is really exciting. Know where, know where to place it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and quite often, you know, I, I look at where I was when I was 20 and, you know, I'm like, I needed some help. I didn't know what I was doing. I was very directionless. Directionless. <laughs> And, you know, it's a yeah. tough thing to figure out, you know, but, you know, my parents actually pushed me in the right direction. and They, they gave me the nudges I needed. And, you know, these these youth don't have that. They don't have role models in their life to look up to. They, they do have this energy and this drive, but they all have trauma of one form or another that, you know, they're carrying with them and they're trying to figure out and trying to figure that out. So I think for me, just really understanding what that means and seeing that in practice um, we've had a, I remember a work session where we had one of the youth was explaining that they couldn't hold on to a job because whenever they had conflict in the workplace, they would shut down and, you know, 
they would just go silent. They wouldn't be able to do anything and then they'd get fired. Well, one of our co-founders, Kamal, came over right after we were talking about this and was like, oh, hey, you're screen printing wrong. Try try uh, holding the squeegee like this. And instantly the person shut down. <laughs> and, oh. you know, visibly, like you could see this actually happen. And, you know, right there, we were able to turn that into a conversation of like, is this what happens when you're working in a job, right? And that person had never had that conversation before. And so the rest of the session, we just kind of looked at that of how that person was experiencing it. And we were able to talk about it, right? That kind of conversation is something which you might get from your parents or from peers if you're in a supportive environment. And so being able to have that in our work program is just super powerful. That is excellent. Wow. I mean, it goes a long way. Yeah. Like if they have support, then they won't feel like they're being judged because I mean, everyone in their life is given up on them at that point. All they need is someone yeah. to look out for them. That's awesome. Yeah. And even, you know, what's <laughs> I tell you what's really interesting is well, often we'll be talking about jobs and somebody will have found a job in the, in the room and be like, yeah, you know, I've got this job and it's actually doing okay. And they're hiring. And so the other people in the room are like, well, hey, you know, I'm looking for a job. And they're like, yeah, why don't you come and here's who you talk to. And so it's like together they'll collaborate and talk about jobs and support each other. But you ask them if they will talk about jobs outside this work program. And their answer is always the same. It's always like, no, no, no. We, we never talk about this when we're on our own. That's not cool. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you can support each other. You don't need this environment, but. Our, our environment helps them to support each other in their own journey. Um, I see that. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> so what does social entrepreneurship mean to you? And what are some of your favorite businesses in the area that are categorized as such? Yeah. I mean, for me, a social enterprise is uh, any, any mission with a social impact, right? So something which is geared towards, you know, kind of what I think is a social issue. You know, whether it's poverty, human trafficking, uh, mental illness, the environment, um, incarceration, employment, people with barriers to employment, um, and applying business practices to help solve that problem. So it could be a nonprofit, it could be a for-profit. Um, for a for-profit company, I've heard a great definition where you should really be giving at least 50% of your profits back to the social issue that you're, you're doing. Otherwise... Um, you know, you're not really a social issue. So you see that with Wild Tiger Tees. We set up as a for-profit company because that was the easiest structure for us to start with. But over half of our profits go back to the Star House, um, which is after the wages that we pay the youth. Um, and that's just to help develop the work program. So social entrepreneurs that um, I admire in the city, uh, you know, Hot Chicken Takeover is a fun example um, because they have a model which is employing People have been incarcerated and giving them the support structure that they need to be successful. Um, and they have great chicken, yeah, which is, is fun. <laughs> um, you know, what John Rush is doing over at Clean Turn um, is similar. It's also a hiring model. Um, they do demolition and cleaning services. Um, they're a little bit less uh, consumer facing. So, you know, they're, they're a business which operates um, providing services for other businesses. Um, but they're also super powerful and in, in terms of social entrepreneurship and having an impact here in the community. Um, 
Tim Rush is John Rush's son, runs Third Way Cafe, which is a social enterprise cafe in a really cool spot. And I have to say they just rebranded and uh, they remodeled during COVID and their shop looks beautiful. So <laughs> if you haven't been to Third Way Cafe in a while, I would go check it out. It's it's a beautiful. Yeah, we have a great coffee spot. scene here too. The coffee experience I recommend. Great coffee scenes. Yeah. You know, and so many social enterprise coffee houses, right? So Roosevelt is a staple in our community. They provide a lot of great space. Um, you know, they are a nonprofit coffee house where their funds go towards uh, human trafficking, clean water, and hunger. Um, so they, they do a lot of uh, support for that, but also a lot of building awareness. Um, you have Bottoms Up, which uh, some of the profits go back towards uh, infant mortality. Um, there are a couple other social enterprise coffee houses, which are escaping me at the moment. Um, and then you have other, like even coffee houses like Stoffs. Uh, Stoffs is not a social enterprise, but they support wild tiger teas. They support the star house um, a lot. And just seeing them get involved in the community. I think if you're a, a, a coffee house, you know, you're very conducive to being involved in the community because you're that space for people to come in and connect. Yeah, I definitely agree. So what would you say one of the biggest challenges that you faced is while being in business other than the pandemic? Um, so with social entrepreneurs here in town who are starting things, I've seen one of two cases. There's the case that people quit their jobs and they are struggling to get by as they get off the ground. Um, and then there's the side hustle social entrepreneurs, uh, which we fall into, where we have day jobs and then we are working like crazy at night. So when you've got a side hustle, basically you have no time. <laughs> That's been <laughs> the biggest issue I, I faced. Uh, COVID's helped us to kind of step back and rethink, um, but really trying to figure out, hey, how do we how do we grow and manage that that time resource? Um, in order to really grow business has been really difficult. Yeah. I think with COVID, you know, what's been really frustrating is our, it feels like our business is on hold in a sense that we can't be working directly with the youth. I miss that more than anything. Um, and it's like, okay, how do we actually make an impact from where we are right now? Um, even if we can't have that direct face-to-face -face connection. Um, ultimately, it's that direct face-to-face -face connection which is going to create change. Yeah. Um, but it's given us some time to build these programs to put in place where we're part of the puzzle and we can, you know, have a collaboration with Columbus Works or other organizations um, to help make sure the youth get the support that they need um, to get back on their feet. And you guys are still doing a great job of it, I would say. So what advice would you give to someone looking to start their own social enterprise? I would say uh, get connected to the community. Um, you know, check out Give Back Hack. Keep that on your radar. Give Back Hack is a great way to get in and join a team and be part of validating an idea and seeing how the process unfolds. Um, if you have an idea, reaching out to groups like Social Ventures, um, you know, and if you have enough of an idea that you're ready to launch, you know, applying for sea change. Um, there's also a ton of stuff going on at OSU, right? So you've got the business for good and you've got a lot of different groups on campus that are, are working on this. Um, so plug into those groups, um, you know, and especially, you know, groups that are pitching business ideas. Cause you know, I think when you get that practice of, of 
articulating an idea and then validating it, like going out and actually talking to the people that have the issue, um, things move much quicker than you imagine. Yeah, and just studying the issues, I would say, is key. You know, realize where where there's a need and, and fill that need. Yeah, some other organizations yeah. I would plug or like Net Impact is a good one. And of course, Business for Good. Yeah, mm. yeah Net Impact is great. Also volunteering right in the community. Um, there are a ton of different volunteering organizations at OSU. Uh, Columbus itself, uh, there's an app called Point that you can download um, and go out and volunteer. There's a group called Columbus Gives Back, um, which is, uh, you know, kind of a social aspect around volunteering and then getting to know the people that you volunteer with. Um, and then there is the Columbus Young Professionals. So as you graduate from OSU, Join the Columbus Young Professionals. They connect. They also do a lot of volunteering themselves. But really, these things give you a way to connect with the community. And as you do that, you start understanding the social issues that are going on. Um, and that really gives you the inspiration of, you know, here's what I could bring to the table to start. Because quite often you've seen something in your life that will work. And it's just, you know, about connecting the dots of how, you know, it can apply to uh, one problem or another. Awesome. Yeah, there's so many great resources here. And yeah, I hope that things work out for you guys and get back to interacting with the youth very soon. So, yeah, I yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a crazy year all around. And I, you know, I'm glad I'm uh, not taking any classes this year because <laughs> it's got to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, believe me, it's definitely a grind. <laughs> all right. That, that's it. So thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, I really appreciate it. I love it. Yeah, thanks. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> to learn more about Wild Tiger Tees or to get t-shirts printed for your next big event or business, check them out at wildtigertees.com. And that's it for this episode of Fisher Link. Fisher Link is presented by Fisher Inc., the student-run magazine for the Fisher College of Business. I'm Grant Powelson, the Vice President of Podcasts for Fisher Link, I would like to thank Charlotte Geary, the president of Fisher Inc., for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review, check out our past episodes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fisher Inc. Mag for updates on future episodes. Fisher Link is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and FisherInkMag.com, where you can stay informed on in all things Fisher. Thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks!